Amen, 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 amen. So we're going to continue. Yesterday we did begin talking about uh, the Bible way, amen, to success, ownership, and prosperity. So those three things God has given us uh, access to. He's He purposed us to go forward, multiply, increase. Uh, that means to increase the earth, not just increase um, people. You know, I, I know uh, it sounds like um, be fruitful and multiply, but he meant to multiply everything that you have dominion over. So we are to increase the assets of the earth. We are to increase people. We are to cause people to grow and to prosper. Everything that we interact with really as believers should get better. That we are here to make things better. And uh, so that always includes uh, obeying God because certainly uh, we don't know how to do that in our own. We may have good intentions but poor methods. Uh, we might have good intentions but poor ability to carry out the things that we intend to do. So we always need God. You know, you gotta have Him, uh, to help you, empower you, and guide you, give you the right ideas on how to deal with one another, so forth and so on. I know many times in, in interacting with people, we are, we, we have a tendency to misunderstand one another. We have a tendency to be misunderstood. But God knows how to work with everybody. He knows how to help everybody. He knows things to do and how to proceed uh, with with the things of life. So uh, if we listen to him and we obey him in all things, I mean, life just gets better and better. You can't go wrong obeying God. And so that was the one thing that God wanted to bring back to humanity that is access to him access to his life, uh, his word, his power, all of those things we've been granted access to uh, by the Holy Spirit and through the new birth. So God then is helping us to understand his ways again. Huh? We've been locked out of that. And when the uh, when God closed the uh the uh, way to the tree of life, we were we lost access to him. Uh, now access has been granted. Amen. Uh, it's an access granted life that we live now. So we have access to God, to understanding him. But you have to commit yourself to learning his ways, learning his word, learning his purpose. And so that's why uh, we study these things. And that's why sometimes these things are kind of a revelation to us. You know, you can come in a new understanding of old things. Uh, you can go over the same scripture you've looked at so many times and then all of a sudden something new pops out of it. Or it might be something that you feel you've mastered and God will have you go deeper in the mastery of things. Uh, more and more like him every day. So until you are God, you got stuff to learn. Amen. So, so we all have to, to do that and commit ourselves to learning and to, um, 
then to operate in what we know. And so God then starts to hold us accountable to uh, operate in the things that we understand and the things that we know to do well. The Bible says, to him who knows to do right and does it not, to him it is sin. And so your sins increase as your knowledge does if you don't operate in the knowledge you have. You know, you could sit under the word for years and years and, and not ever move on anything a lot of times people aren't really aware that god's giving you instruction for living um in many churches people just sit for years and don't change uh because they don't really it never locks into their thinking that every time we meet there's a new instruction laid down for something that god expects us to do he expects you to use this word this week and then come back next week for more word to use for the next situation. And so, you know, if you look at the record of the early church, this is what they did. They went out and utilized what they were taught. They got stirred up to go and take their cities for God. They got stirred up to go and, and uh, you know, conquer in their neighborhoods and their families, all of those things. God expects us to uh, to apply the word in all situations. Why? Because he has a plan for everybody's life, and it includes us being obedient to him. Amen? His plan for you includes you being obedient to him. He He wants that. Amen. And how do you know what to do? You know it by the word and you know it by uh, meditating on the word and you know it by allowing God to inspire your heart uh, to do the things that he has put on your heart to do. So I believe that if we will continually look at our interactions together as believers as stirring us up uh, to do good works, the works that God has ordained for us to do then we'll stay on track in god we won't falter we won't waver we won't uh, uh you know do things that that aren't conducive to the plan of god where we're going in life i think once you find out what your ministry is you're 99 percent there you understand what i'm saying look at all the people that that are christians and don't do anything with their christianity or don't do much you know they never never pray for people they never undertake to pray for somebody that they don't know uh they i have a heart for this and i have a heart for that but you know how is that manifested you know if you have a heart for um china or all these exotic places why not ask god to give you a heart for your neighbor you know i mean because you'll probably never get over there and if you're not praying for things to change in those situations you're not even at the first step of making sure that you carry out what your heart seeks to do and so we are people of action when god said go ye he means he wants his people active in life he wants us to make a difference he and make a change in this world and so that's extremely important uh you know for for believers i look at sometimes the people i see at, at these you know huge believers meetings on television i think god how many of those people really go out and make a difference you know we just kind of tend to pin each other up and keep preaching the word at each other and that word is never grabbed onto 
and taken and run with, you know. Uh, if you never witness to anybody, you can certainly pray. If you have a consistent prayer ministry, that's very, very fruitful. But I guarantee you, once you start to pray for something, you'll get up and go do something about it. You know what I'm saying? And so all of these things uh, build on one another. And uh, I think it's very essential for believers to be active in what God wants us to do. And, and so part of ownership is being faithful over the word that's deposited in your heart you know get out and start doing something with the word that's preached you know start meditating on it repeating it to yourself god i want to do this i want to do that i want to be as productive for you as i can be and then that way you'll you'll embrace things like ownership in a way that God wants you to embrace it. You'll embrace things like faithfulness and servanthood, and you'll embrace all of these things uh, in the way that God wants you to. Many times people look at themselves, you know, I, I, I need so much myself. I, I don't know how I use you can help anybody do anything. You just have to ask God how to do it and know that that word that comes forth is for you. It's not for everybody else around you, but it's for you too. And so I think uh, we God's not making any mistakes here. He wants us all to be active and involved in the service of Him and in the life of the ministry. So we were laying down some some principles and some groundwork yesterday. We're talking about what uh, a steward is, and and uh, uh, God. It's interesting. God uses that word. He also uses the word servant in relationship to His people. But servants many times don't have oversight over much. But he calls us stewards as well as servants. So a steward has been given responsibility for something. He has been handed something. And something has been placed in his possession. So the first thing God did with the children of Israel was gave them land. So there is a gift of God to each and every one of us that he expects us to be a steward over, a faithful steward. First thing he gives you is his life. And that's more than we could ever imagine it could work out to be. Once you have eternal life on the inside of you, God expects you to be a good steward over that eternal life. Which means that there are times where the Holy Spirit will quicken you to move in the power of eternal life. Eternal life includes compassion of God toward suffering individuals, suffering humanity. So God will move on your heart to care about things. You'll begin to care about people. You'll begin to care if their life is peaceful. You'll begin to care about certain things and to bring those burdens to the Lord. He does not expect you to run and rescue every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's in trouble or run up your debt and you run up your credit cards trying to bail out, you know, people who are, are just not being responsible themselves. But he expects you to uh, come back to him when you're burdened about things or when you're concerned about things and get his solution. So really eternal life opens up us up to the solutions of God for things in this earth. And we sometimes, uh, you know, can think, well, that's not my concern. That's not my business. Well, did God bring it to your attention? 
Sometimes you can know what's your concern by knowing if it was brought to your attention. And God, this does bother me. And what would you have me do about this? Now, for us right now, most of us is second nature. We know, we, we know how to pray. We know we're called to pray and that kind of thing. But think about the average Christian out there that has no clue. Doesn't have a church that teaches much on prayer. They just come and do the service and go home. Uh, a select group of people do things behind the scenes, but for the most part, the average believer just is unchanged uh, by the events of this world and doesn't know how to change them. And so God then wants to open up everybody's awareness as the how-to of how to change things on earth. So the first thing that you're responsible as being a good steward over is the Holy Spirit who lives in you and the Spirit of Christ who lives in you. Are you a good steward over the Holy Spirit, over the life of God? Are you letting that life emanate from you? Are you letting that life speak to you and teach you and tell you what you're here for? You know, sometimes we can have all the equipment we need but don't know how to put it together. You ever buy a... a uh, the most recent thing I bought was a, a a grill, and they're getting less and less complicated to assemble. But I thought to myself, I said, ah, I can put this thing together. Well, you get all in pieces out there, and you start looking at that thing, and look, is it ever going to be what the picture that I see on the... Well, that's what we are as believers. We've got all the equipment we need. You know, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you got all the pieces are there but they got to be assembled assembly required that's what we should read on our foreheads we're being assembled and so it takes the revelation of god to teach us how to put all of the things together to make the christian life that we're supposed to make and so once you understand that there is assembly required you know, you gotta learn things, you gotta pass these tests in God, you gotta show God your faith, all of this stuff. Then we'll settle down, I think we'd be more inclined to settle down and understand, uh, not get stressed about this, it's all taken care of. God heard your prayer, your answer's either next door, on the way, or in the making. You know, that kind of thing. And so what do I do with all my free time? God, if you've answered every prayer and given me everything, what do I do with my life? Well, you serve me. Man, so you get about the business of being a servant of the Most High God. So a servant really is a person who, um, uh, uh, is a responsible person. We said that. A steward is an overseer, man, a treasurer, an agent, and a governor. You need to know that servants are chosen. Men, they are chosen. In uh, Matthew twelve eighteen, the Lord said, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he shall not break, a smoking flax he shall not quench. And this is talking about Jesus, the Messiah. But he was chosen to be a servant of God. 
You've got to know that serving God is by God's choosing. We can't force people. We can't draft people. We can't beat people. We can't shame people into serving God. I know because I've tried all of the above and it does not work. You have to be chosen by God as a servant. Now, there are some things that are commands as far as servanthood is concerned. Now, we are commanded by God to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. So these things that are commanded automatically enlist us to serve in that capacity. So you can really say, once you're born again, you're drafted as a servant. Amen. You're drafted as a servant. And so, but that person has to hear that call from God and respond appropriately to it. Like I can, can look out and God can show me gifts and abilities in people, but if they don't see them, they're going to be hard pressed to carry out anything that God has called them to do. You've got to see yourself or at least be willing to have it shown to you by the Spirit of God what it is that you are called to do. I believe all believers, because you have a connection with God, are called to pray. I believe that faithful prayer uh, is a reward within itself and it's highly honored and valued by God. So we want to do the things that are highly honored and highly valued. Amen. Uh, if, if, if you don't center your life around the things that are highly valued, you'll spend most of your time chasing things that don't mean anything as far as the will of God is concerned for you. Um, it's, it's just important for you to understand that, that, that God has a value system and He wants us, He wants to plug us in to the things that are important to Him and the things that will bring about the, the required or the, uh, ordained, uh, ministry that He has called you to. And then the ordained blessing will come forth out of your obedience to His ordained ministry for you. So God chooses all servants. The fact that you are equipped pretty much lets you know that you are called to serve God. It's the particulars that need to be worked out. Amen. And so sometimes the particulars are uh, what your heart longs for. You know, uh, people, uh, when I first came to this city, people would tell me, oh, we've been praying for somebody. We've been praying for people for prayer and blah, 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 blah. And many times, how many of you know, you can pray for something, not recognize it when it gets to where you you know where you are or they'll there they'll have people that come and stay for a season and pray and then leave and you'll find uh, most of the people who felt they were called to pray don't pray anymore because the leaders moved on so there's all kinds of things that can happen to sabotage your servanthood but that desire to serve should remain in you and God will find a way to have that fulfilled. Amen. So you won't dis- be disappointed. Once God puts something in your heart, he doesn't make a mistake. He will definitely uh, move on that. He will definitely fulfill that. He will definitely help you to get yourself established in what he has called you to do. And so God wants more than anything for people to uh, remain faithful, 
to what he's called him to do. Your faithfulness will be tested in, in many different ways. Uh, but he still wants you to, at, you know, at the end of your life to say, God, look at what I did. I, you know, call me day one doing this and here I am doing it still. And this is what I have to show you. And that's really all he requires is faithfulness. Um, he doesn't want you to turn the world upside down. You don't have to be the next whatever. Smith Wigglesworth, T.D. Jakes, or whatever you're trying to be the next one of. You just need to do you and be faithful doing you. And, and let God handle all the rest of it. So faithfulness, really, these are the things that God, uh, these standout words that God showed me. As stewardship was one, servant was the other. And faithfulness is the other one. And all of those three go together to build up the house of God. So a faithful person is a person who is honest and wise. He's there to build up and support, to parent or to nurse. Now, faithful faithfulness does not just pertain to people who are called to help the the shepherd or help the prophet or whoever. The prophet himself has to be faithful too. Got me? Because we build up and support people. Amen? You're, you're built up by what I do, whether you recognize that or not. A lot of people just look at, oh, well, she, ah, she just looking for somebody to carry her bag. Oh boy, here she is again with them bags, you know, whatever, whatever. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, you, you know what I'm saying. You can look at things in a not so spiritual level, but why would God have you help me unless I were helping you? Got me? And so it's best to look at things in a way that takes in the whole picture instead of just one dimension. That's your little corner that bugs you. You, you know, you, you have to learn how to get unbugged. Uh, if you think about this the way God does, uh, you'll quit being bugged about things and not be upset about uh, little small things because you look at the bigger picture and this is that God is doing something in the earth and he's called me to be a part of it and all I have to do is do my part. Thank God I don't have to be the one that leads the meeting or, you know, that organizes everything and all that kind of stuff. So you can do your part and be a support uh, without having to think about uh, uh, you know, what's above you and what's responsible, what the responsibility of the overseer is, just make it uh, helpful to them. If they ask you to do something, just be willing to do it, you know, and uh, just have the right spirit about you because there's a grace to carry out the necessary functions in life, but you've got to find that grace. I can't find it for you. You can't find mine for me, but there is a an an adequate grace to carry out every duty that God does us gives us to do. You can do it in peace, safety, comfort. You can do it with joy and rejoicing. And you can do it with expectation of doing it again. Amen. Making a repeat of it. And so when we when we see that, it's a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing. So our faithfulness is something that God judges you on. Moses was ordained the leader over God's people because he was faithful where God called him. First going to Pharaoh and making a complete idiot of himself sometimes, but he obeyed God anyway. Uh, God is not concerned about what you look like when you're serving him. 
He just wants the job done. Amen. Uh, many times I'll say things like, well, it ain't purdy, but we got it done, you know, uh, because uh, many times it, it's there are some things that, that um, uh, um, you know, might not flow as correctly. But if you stay in there, it'll all start to shape up around you. Uh, so to speak. So uh, that's a good thing. Uh, to be faithful also means to not leave anything out. Amen. And that is so important because many times things will get kind of messed up. You know, once you straighten them out, they kind of get confused and messed up again. And so as a good steward, you don't get frustrated and quit. And I did that already and it's not working out, blah, blah, blah. You have to learn how to go back to God and get the next step. You know, when things get out of kilter, you go back and you get the next step. You get something to add to. There is a place of seeking perfection in what we do for God. When I say perfection, I don't mean uh, it's according to the naked eye, according to the natural eye. I'm talking about perfection in that there is a standard that God sets and he puts it in your heart and you seek that standard. You're not seeking just to do enough or whatever, but you're seeking uh, God's standard in things so that they build and get better and better and better each time you meet. Uh, I, I can remember when we first started our conferences and our meetings, you know, and many of you were there. Uh, we we had, you know, uh, decent equipment, and then God began to look at our faithfulness with what we had and increase us. Now, people coming in that maybe were accustomed to something a little more elaborate, expensive, whatever, could judge us as not being up to their standard, you know. But you have to live through that and understand that God has you placed where you are uh, for a season of where you are. The other thing I know, too, about servanthood is that God will prepare you and give you a vision for what good servanthood at your level is. You understand me? Um, he won't set the bar so high. You try to jump up and you get frustrated trying to fulfill what he's telling you to do. He, the other thing is he will not have you burdened with debt and things like that, trying to get things that are, are pleasing to the visual eye and, and frustrate your efforts. Uh, everything that you do in God from a pure heart is acceptable. You got me? And we have to understand that. It's acceptable. Quit beating yourself up. Quit trying to do everything a certain way or you have to have this or, you know, I heard that this equipment was the best. This is the top notch. No, you don't go there. You go in and listen to God and find out what he wants you to do and, and build your life on that level. It's so important that you stay confident in God. You stay encouraged in God. You stay faithful to what God tells you to do and allow God to increase you. But be 
a good steward at your level. That's what I tell people all the time. Uh, you know, uh, people, I would hear people say things, uh, like, um, well that ministry's got all kinds of money. I wish I had the money you had. I could do so and so and such and such. And I'm, th- I'm looking around like, who are you talking about? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, because God projects His presence when you're obedient to God, his life is projected in everything that you do. His presence is projected around everything that you do. Um, people have remarked to me about our bus. When we had our large bus running, they say things like, Ooh, that's an expensive bus. How could you afford that? And I'm looking to myself, Oh, okay, well, good, God. I mean, they believe that. That's wonderful. And uh, so forth and so on. People... Are, don't be fooled by the eye. You know, don't make your value judgments based on <laughs> what the eye sees. He has treasure in earthen vessels. You know what that means? Dirt. Huh? Our little dirt bodies and, and that's what we come from, but there's great treasure inside. And so God wants us to be led more by the Spirit. See, if you're led by the Spirit, your Spirit will take you places your eyes don't want to go. You got me? And so you're led by the Spirit. you got to go into where God wants you to go and and see like he wants you to see and and not be so concerned about outward appearance. Yeah, I like things nice. I like things neat. I like things clean. I like things a certain way. But you're not going to fool me by thinking that getting me to think God wants us in debt for a whole lot of things based on the appearance of of everything. And so many times two prophets are people who are are disguised from the general public. I'm not always going to look like somebody that's serving God. You got me? You won't either. And so people, in order to get what we have, they're going to have to look past a lot of things sometimes and just pay attention to what God's doing instead of always going by what looks wonderful, amen, and what looks great. So being faithful means... Working at the level that you are until God adds more to what you have. You've got to be faithful over the small before he will make you ruler over the much. And many people want it the reverse. We want it to look a certain way before we'll even get involved in it. You got me? And so you've got to understand as a a servant of God, you can't do that. You've got to look at things the way God wants you to see them. And understand that he has a purpose for you and, and what that purpose is. Always work in your purpose. Always stay in what God gives you to do. You got me? Don't jump ship and try to get something else. I see people do that. You know, people leave this ministry and say, well, uh, uh, I think I need to go over so and so. And I said, well, go on because you're not doing what you're supposed to do here. You understand? How are you going to not be faithful here and then go on to something better? You think that God has for you. And I know what those people are doing. They're just making something up to sound spiritual so they can make me think that they're try- they're attempting to be more godly. Well, they're really not. They're going to go home and sit down. You understand what I'm saying? And backslide and not do what. See, when it gets tough where you are, you got to learn how to dig in. Because we, we're more than sheep. 
You can be a goat, you can be an ox, you can be any of that stuff. But there's time to be a sheep and there's time to be an ox. And an ox digs in and finds more strength to stand and to keep going on in what they're going on. Because it's not going to be easy. Are you kidding me? There's a devil out here plotting to destroy us every single minute of every single day. And you think you're not going to feel some of that? And so when you sign up to be a servant, that's what you do. You serve. No matter what happens, you got to stay in there and stay faithful. Because you see, you look around you and see there's a lot of people that started out gung-ho. And where are they? Amen. And it's not just true about here. It's true about every Christian fellowship. People drop out of serving God all the time. Why? Because it's too tough. It's something they're looking for they haven't gotten yet and they're sick of waiting on it. So they've moved on. And so you want to be a person when God comes to you and starts to reward, he says you're faithful. It's the highest accolade that can be given anybody. Amen. Is the reward of faithfulness. So, uh, you see, we're, we're celebrating, uh, Memorial Day for, for, um, people who have died in action. You know, those who serve. That's the highest, uh, accolade you can get is that you serve faithfully. You know, you may have died in service, but you stayed with it and you were a faithful servant. So that goes in the natural as well as in the realm of the spirit. So a servant is a responsible person. We said that. So is a steward. Servant does what they are told to do. They don't have any personal agenda. Now, your personal things that you want, God has already given to you. You've got to, you're not working, you're not serving to get him to do something for you or get him to give you something. Service is your reasonable. Got me? That's just reasonable. Considering what he's given you, it makes sense that he's bestowed all of these gifts and abilities on us for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve God and to serve humanity. So that's got to be in your heart to do. It's got to be in your heart. If you let your heart open up to God and feed on his word, that desire to serve will come. It, it will just be there. And so once that desire to serve is upon you, then God will be able to equip you further, be able to give you tasks to do. He'll be able to help you uh, to to excel and what he wants you to do, and then he'll be able to give you more more responsibility, promote you, give you oversight, give you uh possession and ownership. He'll he'll turn things over to you. It won't be a problem whatsoever for him. Turn them over to you once you've proven yourself to him and continue to prove yourself to him. Don't make the mistakes so many make is when you cross one hurdle you think you got it made and you forget about you know, servant heart and wanting to serve people and, and, you know, living that way. Uh, I see people, especially ministers are notorious for once the church is filled and this is got this, got that, got a decent salary. Then you turn off the servant mentality. You know, people start wanting to help you and you start wanting to be helped. You got me. So, uh, it's, it's very easy. To shut off that servant's mentality and servant's heart uh, because you feel like it's no longer necessary. Don't ever use service as a stepping stone to something else. It is your life. It's your lifestyle. 
And so it, that, that mandate to serve will never leave you. It's always going to be there. Uh, that's all there is to do. If God lives in you, He wants to serve humanity through us. So, uh, <clears throat> we have to watch our attitude as servants, not to get frustrated and angry. Uh, Jesus is your standard, not your neighbor. Don't look at your neighbor and say they don't do so much and I'm doing everything. It's always a trap of the enemy. You don't measure yourself against one another. Measure yourself against God and the standard that he has set for you and what he's called you to do. Do everything that you do with a spirit of excellence or wanting to accomplish. Not not make it look pretty and look nice and all that. Excellence really means having the standard of God motivating you. Excellence means having the standard of God motivating you. And I hear people make comments sometimes about the ministry, especially when you're feeding them and, you know, taking care of them. Oh, you have a spirit of excellence here. I say, yeah, we try to obey God as best we can. I said, did you get the questionnaire to find out how much, you know, what kind of stuff you prefer to have, you know, and is there anything else we can do to accommodate you? You know, it's not, uh, you don't let people think that's your standard. You let them know that you have sought God for what you're doing. Uh, because people will look at things with a carnal eye and look at, oh, it, there's a lot of this and there's a, these people never stop working. Somebody's always doing something. They call that excellence because they don't know what excellence is. And so you have to kind of draw people back in to this is the standard that God has set for us and we are striving to please God in the way we treat you. And have we fulfilled that? Is there anything else that we can do to accommodate you so that you're comfortable for the time that you're here with us? Got me? And so always pull that because I believe that's true. I believe God instructs me in the things to do. He, and he, he'll do it in simple ways. I can remember when I was new in the ministry and new in the things of God, I would be places and see things and I would say, oh, that's really nice. I said, that that's nice that they did that. And it wasn't to just be somebody who received all the time but I remembered that and I began to incorporate that into the vision that God gave me for how to be a hospitable host to people got me and so there's a purpose for it and it is for you to learn from it emulate it and incorporate it into what you do when I traveled as a minister I saw churches that that you wanted to go back to because you felt they were welcoming to you and you felt comfortable there. And so you made note of the things that you appreciate and then you incorporate them into things that you do. You got me? And so it, in, in, it makes a difference that you're allowing that seed to produce in you and you're not just sucking up people's hospitality like it's owed to you. 
got me you're willing to incorporate that in and do something with it and that's true about everything that you do in life there's God speaking to us and showing us his standard all over the place if we'll pay attention and then start incorporating that into what we do and so I think it's very very important that we pay attention to the spirit of excellence that God puts before us so that we can see how to do these things and see which which things uh foster the love of God in situations and not be so well you know this is how we do it nah that's not necessary you know don't be a a scorner you know learn how to embrace things that bring forth excellence in in things because that's the spirit of God in you teaching you his standard heaven is his standard and he's trying to bring heaven down here on earth for people so they can get accustomed to it I mean he wants to bless us that's part of what blessing is is making sure that you're holding on to God's standard for things so these things are very important very important i remember my parents would fuss and fight and duke it out but they stayed together and if there's one thing i learned you could stay together with somebody you you got me i mean come on folks that's god's standard now is keeping your vow i mean there's a lot of rumbling in between but you can keep a vow to somebody amen and that's what i took away from from my upbringing situation is that's a standard that i can hold on to you know your parents taught you something worthwhile i don't care how goofy they were how messed up they were how religious or crazy or whatever there's fanatics but they taught you something that was that was worth taking away from the situation so so it's it's good to understand be open to find god speak to you in all kinds of different ways all kinds of different standards uh but his standard is out here for us to see and care how how depraved a situation is, how desolate a situation is. God's standard is out there for us to see and for us to look at. So I I want to be the kind of leader who leads by example and people can say, well, I know her interests were to make things better because she was always trying to add this or teaching us to do this or press into that or press into this. And so you, you just have to do that. You know, I hate to see people, uh, settle for mediocrity because it's not necessary. It's 100% not necessary. And, and so I, you know, people who quit easily, you know, you sometimes you got to get in there and say, now look, you can do this. This isn't that hard. Now you watch me and we're going to do this. And people have a very short attention span sometimes for excellence. Why? Because we're born in iniquity. We're selfish. We want to get it over with and go sit down somewhere. They don't want to stand there until, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, come on, y'all. You know what life is all about. And so, and, and see, if you're that way about your, your, your little job with the ministry or you that, you're going to be that way with something else. Like when your kids get on drugs, you're going to leave them on drugs cause you quit. You got me? If your, your, uh, uh, your bills get behind, you're gonna get fatigued in trying to ask God how to get them caught up and get everybody paid, and you quit and leave everything, go off, try to start over again. Start over again what? So you can leave another mess where you go? I don't think so. So stay with what He gives you 
keep pulling in to perfect it. There's a standard in heaven that we are, are compelled to attain to down here. And you'll know it when you get there. You'll have peace about the job that you do. That's your goal is to always have peace about what you do. If there's no peace, you go to God and say, God, what can I do to perfect this? How can I improve what I do? Amen. And quit being a checklist person. You know what that means? Oh, I did everything you said. I did that. I did that. I stop it. Because I haven't done everything I know to do right. So you going along for the ride with me so we all dig in here and make it better. <laughs> quit being mediocre and quit quitting and whining and fainting about everything. We're just getting started. Amen. So, so we have to understand that God has a standard. He's always got a standard for us. You know, your standard is to use what you have to the best of your ability for his glory. That's always your standard. You can't use what you don't have. And if you find yourself lacking in something, ask the Father for it. God, it sure would be nice if I, if we had so and so. Every time we have a conference, I add something to it. You know, people that work around me go nuts. They don't understand it. Well, well, we got this already. No, it's not good enough. I have heard from the Father on this. And we charge up the hill of excellence. Who's coming with me? It was so funny. I remember it was hot once when uh, we had, it was a summer meeting. It was hot that day. We were over at the Hawthorne and we had the, the buffet set up outside. So, uh, I think it was, it was Pumpkin and, um, Nikki. And I said, guess what your challenge is, girls? Well, it's Pastor Bar. I said, just, they said, what? <laughs> I said, we're going to take that container. It was uh, when I started making that friendship tea. That thing was like a five-gallon drum. It was huge. I said, we got to fill that up with tea and keep it out there for our guests who are floating around. Because <laughs> we will have float around people. Now, why do we do stuff like that? Number one, they can challenge themselves to do excellent things. They're being trained. To do excellent things. I have to make sure I challenge them. And not baby them. See there's a time for babying. And there's a time for challenging. So when you're challenged. You want to push yourself. To get more out of yourself. You have to push yourself beyond the level of what you think needs to be done. And then you go over into the realm of creative thinking in God. You'll never get there staying satisfied with where you are. You have to get creative in God. You must. Now what did I just say everybody? You got to push yourself beyond where you think you're supposed to be and just getting the job done. And once you get beyond your natural ability and get into something that challenges you or puzzles you, that's when you hit God's creative realm. And see, a lot of people never get there because we just want to get it done. 
You know, I did that and go sit down somewhere. Well, if you just do that, you'll never hit the level of your potential in God. You're capable of so much more, but you got to push beyond that normal, everyday, average thing and reach for more because there's more there. Why is that important? You're called to conform to his image. Well, some of y'all don't think that's important. Write that down. You're called to conform to his image. Nobody's browbeating you just to make you do stuff. A servant isn't putting his towel aside and isn't done taking his apron off. As long as the master lives, he wears that. Don't ever take your servant to the clothing off. And so the way to reach, and it's the same thing. Now, I'm giving you simple examples of doing tasks, but it's the same thing with spiritual things. You know, when you hit a wall in your prayers, you've been praying this for the longest time and nothing's moving. What do you do? Quit? Say God won't do it or he didn't tell you? Walk away and give up? Oh, you, you hit that wall and you gotta press in for something more. Something that you, in the creative realm of God, that will cause that miracle to manifest in your life. You, you trying to hit something you haven't hit before. And so it's the same thing. If you do that with everything that God puts in your in your life, you can excel in God with no problem. But if you're just used to doing enough, I did my job and quit. Go sit down and play with your phone or you know what we do, whatever you do. You just won't hit that excellent point. And, and God wants us to do that. He really, really does. It's in you to be able to hit a more creative level in God. When it plateaus, you gotta reach in and get something else so that you can excel. He wants you to excel in everything. I don't care what it is. He wants you to excel. And so God, God will motivate you through hope and faith and encouragement, not through fear of failure, discouragement, and I can't do it. He won't, you can't find him there. He doesn't lurk around in those areas. So you stay full of faith and faith will have you to reach up for something much better to add to what you already have. Faith is like that. Faith is an excellent spirit in God. So God judges how we care for what is given to us. If we're constantly trying to make it better, he will add to us. Amen. If we're just trying to get it our way and, you know, wrestle things down, he's not in that. I don't care what it is. It can be your your work, can be relationships, can be anything. But he wants us to excel. Amen. We have so much more in us than we know. We, but we got to connect it to God, pull it in, put ourselves on the line, challenge ourselves, amen, to do what's what we know we need to do. So uh, he when we have our task, what we call down pat or we have have it, you know, worked out excellently. He rewards us by giving us a greater challenge, man. He'll give us more to do, man. 
If stewardship is distasteful or a chore to us, or servanthood is distasteful or a chore to us, we have to repent and allow the word to help us understand the purpose of stewardship. Because if you don't understand it, you'll rebel against it. Amen. Uh, Many times parents don't get the most out of their children because children don't understand what parents are doing when they tell them to correct things and do them better. Now he's just being mean. This is good enough. No, it's not. It's never good enough. You have to instill that to them continually. But unfortunately, many times parents don't know how to teach their children. You know, you got to go to God and find out how to really be a good parent. Get the best out of your kids. So you do it through through the standard of the word. You kind of have to challenge everything that you have in your life, in your midst, has to be challenged by the standard of God's word. Amen. So he says, servants are chosen. This is not a re- this is a reward. It is not a punishment. Serving is not punishment. Amen. It's not punishment. I think if we learn to change our attitudes while we're doing, we'll enjoy it more. Man, we'll enjoy it more. And I think if we stay engaged in what's going on, uh, you know, and, and stay connected attention-wise, it makes it easier for us to incorporate the things that we learn, and then it starts making sense to you. Uh, you know, you can, you can do things just out of habit, but then once God gets involved, things will start to make sense to you. Like there is, I used to sometimes when I would finish preaching, I would, would sit down and, and it would seem like the Holy Spirit would start to tell me things that, and I'd look at it, I said, oh, I should have said that. I didn't think about that. I should have said that. And I I would take it as a correction that I didn't do something right. But that didn't seem right to me. Because, and I'll tell you what, it's not right. And I'm telling you it's not right. Because if that's true, why didn't the Holy Spirit tell you while you were preaching? Let you end the service... Well, what he was showing me was to, he, it, you know, you know how people will come, come up to you after, I shouldn't laugh, but they, cause they mean well. They will come up to you after you preach and just, God, just give her back what she gave out. Well, then the Holy Spirit does that. See, that's what he was doing in showing me things that were yet to be preached. He was feeding me, giving me a hunger for more, which drives you to the next time you get up. And, and prepare a sermon. You got me? So he takes care of all of that stuff. But see, if I didn't go to him and ask him to give me understanding of why that was happening, I could come off with the wrong understanding. And I could say, I can get up and start apologizing every time I get in the pulpit and say, well, I didn't finish everything I had. I'm sorry. And I know. The anointing takes care of that. You don't apologize for the anointing. You got me? And so these are things we understand and we learn. As you as you are faithful over what God gives you, he gives you more. But he I'm telling you, you when you think you got something under your belt, you got it down pat, you are the most mistaken person. 
Amen. I mean, you really are because there is so much more. Amen. So much more. So much more. So servants are chosen. This is a reward, not a punishment. Whenever God chooses you, you're being rewarded. And sometimes you're rewarded in advance because you haven't done anything yet. So it's an honor and an assurance of blessing. When God chooses you to serve him, it's an assurance of blessing. That's when you know your blessing is going to come. Only thing you got to do is be cool, be attentive to God, and do what's expected. Don't ever be a disappointment to the person that's depending upon you to do what God has put you there to do. You have to be a blessing. Amen. You can't come with baggage and be more trouble than you're worth. You got me? So, and that's, that's just true for us, period. Whatever we do, uh, do it, uh, with your whole heart, knowing that God is your rewarder. He sees what you do. So we say do things as unto the Lord. That's what we mean. You know that He's your first overseer of what you do. Do what God commands you to do first. Amen. Your greatest grace in obedience will be on the first fruits. Amen. Now, there's some things you can't do right away. Yada, 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 yada. Um, let me tell you what that does. Number one, it lets God know you honor him. Is when you do it first, it's like saying, thank you for choosing me to do this. And you do it over and over and over again. When you put things off, you take it out of the place of honor and separation and holiness in your life. See, the first place is for the holy things. If you look at the word throughout, the, the word of God is consistent. First fruits, give me the first of your everything. Give me the first of your uh, offspring. Give me the first. See, God claims that when he has a people. Called out people, God claims what's his. He lets you know what's his. So if you think about it, the first of your time, the first of your attention, the first of your finances, the first of your energy, all of that goes to God. That belongs to him. So if we set aside the first of our day to acknowledge God, worship him, talk to him, you know, relate to him, then he redeems the balance of your day. Which means you're going to find, you know what? Ever since I started getting up worshiping God, everything's gone wonderful. Who? Wonder why? Because you've obeyed the word. You've honored him with the first of your greatest grace is going to be to do the things God tells you to do first. You know what that'll do? That'll free you up to not be in a rush. That'll free you up to not get entangled with the devil gumming things up. The longer you wait, the more time that gives the devil to plot something against your success. I'm telling you something I know. You got me? You want to beat him at his game, you get up and do what God tells you to do first. If you don't do it, actually. Say it's something that you can do over a span of time. If you don't do it physically, do something toward it. Write it down. Make a plan. Whatever, whatever. 
But I would say if you can do it, get it done. And then let God work with the balance of your time so you're not sweating, making excuses at the last. Well, I couldn't get it done because I so-and-so and so-and-so and so. You didn't do it with honor. You didn't honor it. You didn't sanctify it. You didn't separate it out. I tell, I, I've worked with women and I've worked with men and women in ministry. I tell them all and I'll tell women especially, don't put this in the category with your housework, your Work with your children, your job. This is different. You got to do this differently or it won't get done. You got me? And so you people, yeah, yeah right. Devil. <laughs> I cast you out in Jesus name. But that's, it's, it's, it has to do with, with sanctifying things. These are holy things. We come in here. I don't care if you're sleeping and right, that's a holy thing. You're vacuuming the sanctuary of God. You got me? It's a holy thing. It has to be taken with honor and not <sighs> dragging it. You know how people do. Come on now. It's just, it's just wrong. It's wrong to have that attitude about anything you do. You got me? Your family will get sick of you, you know, being dry and, and lifeless. Uh, all the time because of, of what, you know, you, you think that your life with them is so hard. You know what I'm saying? It's just the wrong attitude. And so when we understand that God wants first all the time, man, he wants first. I remember hanging up on people finally uh, when we would have our empowerment meeting. We were new in the ministry. Everybody would call me the night before at 10 o'clock to ask me what they were supposed to do. And they they thought that was, you know, you know I got to get up and preach. I got to get up at 6 in the morning. You talking to me at 10 o'clock about your job that you already know what to do. And now you're asking me what to do. It's the night before the meeting and laid on top of it. Shouldn't be calling anybody who's a servant of God at 10 o'clock. You got me? So I just tell them, nope, this ain't the time for that and hang up on them. She's so mean. I mean what I say too, and I'm gonna be mean. Your problem is you ain't you haven't met the right mean person yet. You got me. I'm your right mean person. Hmm? You have to teach people respect for God. You got me. You don't put his work off till the night before, and then you want to scramble and make excuses in the morning. I know the whole syndrome. We don't make excuses here. We do what's expected. Other than that, you won't have a meeting. You won't have anything. You won't have a reward. You'll have nothing. And so when we start to talk about servanthood, stewardship, all of these things, how good a steward are you of your time before God, of your resources before God, of your spirit, of your attitude? You have to be a good steward over your attitude and over your spirit. And so all of these things must be taken into account and we must be judged faithful at the end because God wants faithful people, folks. He's not because we can do it. It's in you to be faithful. Don't ever let yourself be the judge of when you've done enough and you can stop and you don't have to do, I've done what I was supposed to do. 
So obedience is always a test. You find out, and the best thing to do is ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, uh, give me a schedule that I can keep with how to do these things in an excellent manner. And you know what? At the end of the day, you'll find yourself, if you have extra time, that time can be used to perfect what you already do. You can take it up a notch, in other words. And so you can always do something better. Amen. In Matthew 20, we're going to go there, where people want, now everybody wants excellence, they want an excellent reputation, they want the reward of excellence. Don't tell me you don't, because you do. Amen. Jesus said this in verse 27, whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. In other words, if you want the highest uh, position, you want promotion, You want the highest accolade, you be the servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to. In other words, people didn't follow Jesus because he wanted them around to do things for him. He came to serve, amen, and to give his life a ransom for many. And so your comfort is a ransom. Your, your time is a ransom and that, that is given as payment to bail people out of their difficulties. Amen. When you, when you go about doing the things that God wants you to do, you're paying a sum out of your spirit, out of your time, out of your resources that will pay for that person to come out of bondage. You think people just come out of bondage out of nowhere that that has to be paid for. And we pay that price with our spirit, with our time. Everything that comes out of our spirit to do good, uh, we, we ransom people with that. Amen. Some people call what we, the desire to excel, uh, they call it greatness. You know, you'll hear people all these greatness sermons now. You have greatness in you and yeah, but you got to tell them how to get it out. One thing they don't do, because that takes time, that takes attention, that takes instruction, that takes much more than just listening to a happy sermon and jumping up and down about it. You've got to take time with people to teach them how to be faithful servants and how to be diligent. How does God define greatness? That's what you need to find out. The standard is his son. Men, Jesus asked very little for himself, but he always sought people who were in need so he could serve them. He healed, he preached, he taught, and he fed. Amen. He fed people. People think they're helping me out by telling me to sit down and not serve people. I say, are you out of your mind? You don't have a clue about what I'm doing here. How do you assume to tell me how to do my job and you haven't done what I do? Hmm? You know, some people are in their position illegitimately. They haven't earned the right to be overseers over people. They really haven't. And so, I mean, seriously. When you get somewhere, you need to know what it takes to get there. What did you do to get here? You know, you ask God what it takes. But many times they want to tell you how to do your job and they haven't 
been mandated by God. You can't do what I do. You're not called to do what I, I don't want to do what you do. You don't want to do what I do. You do what you do before God. And if that, the way you do it is okay between you and God, then keep doing it. But don't come over here in my yard and tell me what I'm supposed to do. Go sit down somewhere until you learn something. I'm serious. And people have no right to speak into people's lives sometimes, but they want to do it anyway. Matthew 24, this is your reward for your faithfulness. Amen. This is how God judges, and this is so important for us to understand this. See, if we'll study things like this, quit trying to figure out how to get our confession right. (laughs) This will straighten out your confession, that's for sure. (laughs) But uh, he says here, uh, let me see, in 24... What am I at? Matthew 24, I think in in the 40s. We'll start in 36. He says, but that of that day and hour, no man knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. This is talking about the day of the end. All these people looking for doomsday, they have no clue. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also be the days of the coming of man. Now what were they doing in those days? He says, well, they were going about their business as though God was not going to return. <laughs> you got me? And so you'll see people going about their business and not understanding the signs of the times, not trying to be prepared. Uh, you know what to do to be prepared for the Lord's return. You just go about obeying him. Go witness to somebody like you always do. Pray for the sick like you always do. Worship him like you always do and stay connected to God. That's the best way to be prepared. But there are going to be people eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. They had no warning. And they didn't know it until the flood came and took them all away. And it's going to be that way when the Lord returns. You're not going to see a whole lot of people being alert to the things of God. But they're going to be on Instagram and and Facebook and Twitter tweeting and talking about everybody and, you know, demeaning people and all that kind of stuff. They're going to be doing the same things. And he says, And two shall be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding meal at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, for you don't know the hour when the Lord comes. But know this... That if the good man of the house had known and what watched the thief would come, he would have watched. Amen. And would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be you also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. So all these people who are telling you to watch Israel, because that's the sign of the end times, they don't know what they're talking about. So you just go busy, go go find somebody that don't know the Lord. Go feed a homeless person or you know what you do you do you as you always do he says who then is a faithful and wise servant so whether god comes today or tomorrow you're a servant serve whom the lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season blessed is that servant whom his lord when he comes shall find so doing so that gives you a tip right there. Just keep doing what God tells you to do. 
when he comes, you should be uh, giving out a track. You should be praying with somebody. You should be getting somebody up out of a wheelchair, whatever is your fancy. You be doing that. And he says, Verily I say to you, he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, The Lord's not coming yet, and shall begin to uh, uh, mistreat his fellow servants, to eat and drink and be drunken, then the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him in an hour he's not aware of. And shall cut him asunder and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So people who are alert to be servants every day will not miss the Lord's coming. You just keep serving God. Don't even look up when people say, look over here because this is happening. That's the sign of the end times. Yeah, I know about that. But I know also, too, somebody's going to go to hell if I don't get out here and witness to somebody. And so learn how to keep that servant mentality about you at all times. It's never a time to relax. It's never a time to slow down. It's never a time to quit. It's never a time to think about you first. It's time always to do what God wants you to do. In Matthew 20, in verse 27, I think it is, says, whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Did we do that one away? Yeah, even as the Son of Man came to seek to give his life as a ransom for many. All right, what's the next one? We did 2445. We did that about the good and faithful servant. It's the person who is in it for the long haul. That's what faithfulness is. Faithfulness tends to grow over time. The longer you can be employed serving God, the more your faithfulness. See, God just wants to see at the end of it all who's still there. Man, we have ups and downs in between. We have breaks in between. But we are considered faithfulness if we if we have departed from God for a season and we come back again. That's faithfulness. Amen. You repent and you come back. Don't ever think that you won't be accepted back by God if you turn it around and decide you're going to, I'm going to do this right, Lord. I'm not going to get out here and just forget everything. So in Matthew 25, I think it's over here. And it started in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling in a far country called his servants and delivered unto them unto him his goods. Now that's Jesus giving to us his church the gifts and abilities that we'll need to carry forth our service in the earth. Unto one he gave five talents, to the other two, to another one one, every man according to his several ability. Right away he took his journey. See, never criticize a person who can only do one thing, you know, or who only seems to stick with one thing and do it over and over again. You know, God gives us according to our ability, the things that we we know we can do. And then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same. So we see his ability. We see God gave him more because he's able to produce more. He's got a brain to put that thing to work in a greater way. 
and and made them five other talents likewise he that had received two gained two but he that got had one went and digged in the earth and hid his lord's money after a long time the lord whose servant who the, the lord of those servants came and reckoned with them in other words payday came and so he that had received five came and brought other five, saying, Lord, you gave me five. Behold, I have increased that to five more. And his Lord said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The thing you need to know about stewardship, ability, and talents, there's no small and no big to God. I think if there's nothing else you get from this, there is no small and no big in God's eyes. You've got to get that. Because there are many people trying to emulate people they see on TV, in the ministry, instead of looking at what God has given you to do right where you are, and go ahead and do that and be faithful over that. They somehow think that God is the God of the big and not the God of the little. That God is the God of the mountain only and not the God of the valley. And that's just wrong. He knows what he's doing with your life. And if he gives you small things or what relatively small or what the world judges as small to do, it's because that's where he wants you. But he wants you faithful. See, it's harder sometimes to be a good steward over small things than it is to be over large ones. You'll see people with a lot of uh, wealth or a lot of possession, and they'll tend to squander it, where people that have very limited resources will take care of it and, and take extremely good care of it. Just depends on how they value what they have. And what God is saying here is all to be valued the same. He gives you what you can handle not as far as you know you're you're not as smart as this guy over here and that's why you only get one thing to do what he wants you to do is to put what you have into whatever he gives you and give him a return on it no matter how many you have you give him a return see if there's no increase on what god's giving you you're not a good and faithful servant you got me I don't care how big your congregation, you can have 20,000 people and you got 20,000 midgets sitting there in the congregation and you got a person over here with maybe a dozen people and six of them are giants. They can go out and witness to people and bring in more people into the kingdom. And so what God is looking for is for us to uh, impart what we have to bring increase in people. Are you able to pray for other people? Are you able to take care of your own needs? Are you successful in what? Do you have a good marriage? Are you faithful in what you're doing? Then that's increase. And that's all God's looking for you. is success in your life uh, through what God is imparting to you. So don't ever be fooled by numbers. Don't ever be fooled by anything. Just just let God 
bless who he wants to bless. But I'm telling you, if you'll do what God wants you to do and be faithful over it, the increase that you see is what pleases God. I don't care, uh, you know, how, how well you, you think you want to do things and do more. Just be faithful where you are and that increase always proves the hand of God. Increase is what God will reward. The fact that you've stayed with it is what God will reward. He will show you how much he can prosper you through just doing what he tells you to do, inserting his life into everything that you get involved in. Amen. Praying over it, prophesying the word to it, making sure it produces, making sure it increases, and allowing God to show you how his kingdom works. Amen. That's what we're here all about. Amen. Father, thank you for allowing us insight and understanding into servanthood and how to be good parents, how to be good teachers, how to be good good husbands and wives, good friends, how to be good and faithful people. Father, we thank you. For that knowledge and that understanding in Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. If anybody needs.